you've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Hello everyone, we're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. Alright, so come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. Of fear. My advice is flee, keep suitcases near. Vacate the premises, placate your innocence. Fate is unpretty, we embrace the blemishes. Sheep need shepherds, and I only need three seconds to beat these. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Double Count Out podcast. Uh, this is going to be a very uh, bizarre episode because we're going to talk about NXT TakeOver and WrestleMania, and combined, we're looking at about 17 matches. Uh, and on top of that, we also have a little bit of a ticking clock above our heads uh, because Derek has to get to work in about a, two hours, roughly. So <laughs> what we're going to do, I've decided, is I'm going to have a stopwatch <laughs> and, and we're going to have a finite time to discuss each match. Uh, so before we start the stopwatch, unfortunately, on top of all of this stuff, There's also been a shit ton of stuff happening in New Japan, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to click the stopwatch, and I'm going to give Josh uh, about, we'll say, eight minutes to run down all of the excitement (laughs) happening in New Japan right now, and go. Um, Yeah, really the only big story is the, um, the only really big story is that Golden Lovers Bullet Club feud that has been building up across, I feel like it's like three different promotions at this point. But yeah, um, I I was fortunate enough to be at the Long Beach show that they just had last week. And I don't know if you guys got a chance to see it, but everyone's been kind of ranting and raving about how great that match was, which I still need to go back and see it on TV because I was uh, hearing and reading how a lot of like the facial expressions and stuff that you can't see in person were like top notch in that match. But basically, we're heading to the hyped up like Cody... Kenny Omega match with implications as far as the leadership of the Bullet Club. But now the Young Bucks are in this really interesting position as far as what side they're going to be. You, did you guys happen to get a chance to watch it at all or no? I didn't get to really watch anything due to being like in Disney and trying to get caught up on all of the stuff that I missed during that week uh, to get ready for this recording. But I have uh, heard what happened and I did see clips of the matches and I have heard 
people saying that it it is definitely a five star match that that would be a contender for match of the year depending on how the year goes. Right. Yeah. And like basically the story coming going into the match was that Cody's been building a rift between the Young Bucks and Kenny. And then, like, Cody Bushi's kind of stuck in the middle. And now that they're back as a tag team, the Young Bucks felt uh, threatened as far as having their top position in the tag team division compromised. And they kind of felt slightly betrayed that, like, Kenny was kind of stepping into their... stepping on their toes a bit. But it's more on Matt Jackson's side, where he's the one who's definitely showing a little bit more dissension towards Kenny, whereas Nick, his brother, is trying to kind of keep the peace a little more. And so going into the match, Matt had an injured back. So Kenny throughout almost the whole match was hesitant to like hurt him or hit his back. And in the beginning of the match, Coda was attacking the back and uh, Kenny ran into the match or into the ring to kind of stop him, even though it would be to his advantage to win the match. But like the long story short is it's essentially like, a guy got back with his ex and it's interfering with his relationship with his best friends. So he's like, try, he's <laughs> like, he's trying to find ways to keep your best, like keep the best interests of both parties, the best that he can, but it's all kind of falling apart and it's all kind of being manipulated by Cody since he obviously wants that spot. So like the match essentially ended with um, Matt forcing Kenny to hit his finisher on him kind of like in a, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair-esque kind of thing where he was goading him on to just finish him. But then, like, when they were about to win, his brother stopped it and was trying to protect his brother, but they ended up, Coda ended up convincing Kenny to, like, hit their finisher on him and throw, and win the match. And after the match was over, um, Cody Rhodes came down to the ring and, like, berated the Young Bucks for losing and then shoved Matt down, which was reminiscent to when Cody first attacked Omega and Omega did the same thing but the, uh, when you look at the contrast to it it was like Kenny was like super regretful immediately after it happened whereas um, Cody was all like still frustrated and upset and like pushing them around kind of so it's interesting because it looks like what we're, where we might be headed at this point is a split with the Young Bucks too even if it's just a temporary thing so the rumored match that a lot of people are kind of expecting going forward, either if it's going to be an ROH or most likely their all-in show, is going to be uh, Kenny Omega and Nick Jackson versus Cody and uh, Matt Jackson. So it was a really good match. Like It played out. The match itself, from a technical standpoint, was really good. There was a few really big botches in the beginning that apparently were completely missed by the poor production on the television show. So... So, so in that case, it worked out in its favor. But um, aside from that, yeah, it was a really, really well done match. I really do need to go back to see it on TV to see how that played out. And overall, yeah, if you guys get a chance at all to watch it, I would definitely recommend it, especially since that's going to play into ROH's main show over WrestleMania weekend. Uh, they're all in show in September and then just New Japan, most likely throughout the summer. And it's probably one of the bigger storylines outside of WWE right now, since it's like I said, spanning literally spanning like three different promotions. And did he, did you get a chance to read Cody's apology letter? No. Like he wrote an apology letter and posted no. it on Twitter the next day about shoving, uh, shoving the young bucks, and it was like it was like this. Not really. It was written really professionally, but it sounded like so full of shit. 
And like Cody, he's literally like the only guy in New Japan that gets booed. He's doing such an amazing job as a heel to get people to actually hate him instead of being like the cool heel that people like to cheer. Like he's so hated. It's insane. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah. I'll have to look that up because I'm sure I'd love that shit. Uh, All right. Well, we will definitely uh, have more time to talk about all the New Japan workings. Uh, when it's not WrestleMania weekend. So let us dive into NXT TakeOver real quick. Uh, so I'm going to start with what I think is almost guaranteed to be the match of the of the entire week, and that is Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, in an unsanctioned match, if Gargano wins, he's rehired at NXT, and if Ciampa wins, then Gar- Gargano will be banned from NXT. Uh this match, no matter who wins, is going to be a great match. I'm pretty sure we're putting over Ciampa at this point uh, to just give him that extra level of heel heat. But the the continuous, barely a promo, just standing there getting booed thing has been so entertaining to me. <laughs> mm, totally. Have you been seeing the? Have you been watching any of this stuff on Twitter and Facebook and stuff too? Like. Uh, like Gargano showing up at Champa's house in the middle of the night and like just banging on the door for like minutes at a time and and Champa just like waking up and being like this guy just like won't leave me alone and I don't know it's just like it adds another like it adds another layer to it and it makes it feel like I don't know it just makes it feel so much more real I feel like like they've just been doing such a fantastic job with well, it. Well, Gargano is like he he's more Daniel Bryan than even Daniel Bryan <laughs> like it's like he's got that. He is a more believable underdog now than even Danny O'Brien ever mm-hmm. was, which is incredible. And it's like he still continues to lose all of the time, but WWE has or well, I guess NXT has handled it a lot better than WWE ever handled the Daniel Bryan right. losses. Because the Daniel Bryan losses always made him look like an idiot, where like the Johnny losses are always he's given a hundred and ten percent and he just is like so close to being there and then it doesn't happen. Like it's, it's that slight difference, but it's what makes you keep cheering for him. Cause you're like, come on, Johnny, you just got to push one extra, like one extra percent and you'd be doing this. <laughs> like it's so well handled. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like that, oh, that last match with uh, Almas and stuff like that. Like that was one that like I watched that match and then as soon as my fiance like got home from work or for wh- wherever she was, I was like, you need to watch this. And she like, like she likes wrestling and she watches wrestling or she puts up with it anyway <laughs> because of how much I enjoy watching it. But like, like I didn't care. I was like, you need to watch this right now. We're not doing anything else tonight until we see this. And then like, oh, that was something special. Um, and then like the outcome of it and seeing him be gone and uh, uh, Champa obviously come in for that uh, crutch attack at the end. Like just so like, just when you you're, you're already at, at the bottom. Cause you're like, Oh man, like that was so exciting. And then he lost and then they just like take it up another yeah. notch as well. Um, oh, no, it's, it's that. I think that you're right that this is probably going to be one of the, aside from, you know, like the Daniel Bryan returning to the ring match. I think this is one of the most exciting matches of the weekend. Mm-hmm. And you know that they're going to, tear it apart both because of the ability their ability plus with the huge spotlight on them and with this being champa's first match back after his injury they're really gonna go all out to make it special 
Yeah, so let's move on to the next match, uh, which if anybody watched NXT this week, the entire episode was basically dedicated to getting this match put together. And that is the ladder match for the NXT North American Championship. You've got Adam Cole, baby, a verse uh, ECT, uh, Killian Dane, Lars Sullivan, Ricochet, and the Velveteen Dream. Um, I am really torn on this one. Uh, I'm leaning towards either Adam Cole or EC3 personally. And the only reason I say that is because I, I feel like if I'm, if I'm a booker, you kind of want to heal to win the belt via like a ladder match where they don't have to necessarily pin someone. Whereas with a baby face, you want that to be this huge moment where they like overcome somebody. Um, and I think EC3 and Adam Cole both would be extremely good, uh, like just be, like these heels that will brag about how they beat five other men when like really they just climbed a ladder. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like that dynamic that I think would be really cool. Yeah, I, I agree. I really think that if anyone's going to win this match, it should be EC3, mostly because he's such like a shit eating heel. It's like you know that you're going to have like months of material to build off of with him talking about how he's the first North American champion, blah, blah, blah. And like you said, he has a, it opens a door for him to get a lot of heat right out the door when you have like so many talented people, like, you know, you're going to have Killian Dane and Lars Sullivan tearing each other apart. And then you have Ricochet doing these amazing things. And then that's usually how it plays out in ladder matches. A lot of the time where, all the guys who are putting the most work in are the ones who lose. And then the ones who are mostly laying around or not doing anything nearly as athletic or spectacular, kind of just sneak in and take it after everyone kills themselves. <laughs> so, and plus that with, plus with the way they introduced him, I feel like almost like the storyline in this title is like tailor made for his introduction. Yeah. it may, And what I like is that his uh, first promo on TV kind of reminded me of um, the Bobby Roode promo a little bit where like he came in super over and utilized how much the crowd loved him to just berate the crowd and like seem like this full of himself <laughs> douchebag which is like exactly how you handle that when you're a bigger name coming into nxt yeah that's i mean that's such a funny thing too it's so hard to get booed nowadays it's like you insult the crowd and they just cheer you more <laughs> <laughs> uh i feel like the introduction of this new North American title feels it feels like good timing for it, but it also feels like I like on the main roster at times it almost feels like there are too many titles and NXT definitely felt like the opposite. Like, cause we've only, there's only, there's only three titles, right? It's just the yeah. men's women's and tag. Yeah. So to introduce like, cause that means on the, like, obviously there's more men, superstars there than female superstars but aside from that male championship like 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 your feuds are just for they're just building the feuds um which have been great like you've seen some amazing feuds some of the best feuds of the year have come and culminated in non-title matches but i think it just gives like another layer of intensity for whatever they do build with those feuds. Yeah, and this um, would have been a great belt for, like, back when Apollo Crews was in it. Because there was a point yeah, where, like, yeah, yeah, totally. NXT had all of these great dudes and just one belt, and you're like, well, some of these guys are never going to get to hold the belt. And, like, mm -hmm. Apollo Crews in NXT was the best run of <laughs> Apollo Crews. 
because they don't know what the fuck to do with him on the main roster. But like, <laughs> it would have been good for him to have had a title run and gotten used to having to cut way more promos because they just mm-hmm. threw him in the water and just were like, "Hey, smile and do that backflip thing." <laughs> <laughs> that, that's his, that's still his character. <laughs> I mean, and he's he's great at doing those things, but it means nobody gives a shit because he's not developed at all. Uh, but so are we all saying we're leaning towards EC3 on this one? I would say, yeah. I'm stoked on this match, too. Like, uh, a six-way ladder match uh, with these guys in it. Like, there's going to be some fucking incredible shit in there. Uh, all right. So there's a little bit of confusion as far as I understand it with what I'm looking at on Wikipedia. So Wikipedia is saying that it is a triple threat tag match for the NXT Tag Team Championship between Undisputed Error Authors of Pain, and then the team of Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne. Now, I thought that next week was Authors of Pain versus Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne to declare the winner of the Dusty Rhodes championship, like uh, the Dusty Rhodes tag team classic, and then they would have that match. So I don't, I genuinely don't know what this match is going to be at this time. Yeah. Um, Something's telling me that's probably way, a spoiler from the tapings, if that's how they have it listed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... Uh, I'm still leaning very heavily into Undisputed Era retaining. Um, I don't think that Pete Dunne is going to be the UK champion and the NXT tag champion. And I also think... Especially not with, like... uh, uh, No, sorry. I was misreading something. And then, like, the Authors of Pain, we don't need another run with them. We need them to go and help Raw's very depressing tag team uh, division. Um, which we'll get into in a little bit when we talk about how we still don't know who's in that match. <laughs> but uh, so I think it's like if you're going to put your money on any match this this weekend, I'm putting my money on Undisputed Error is retaining at this match. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, same here. I feel like the authors of Pain aren't going to be in NXT too much longer. It's also interesting that it looks like Adam Cole is in two matches because it says that he's going to be part of the Undisputed Era in this tag match. But that's obviously Wikipedia <laughs> just throwing shit out there. But yeah, Bobby Fish got injured, right? Mm, yeah, so Adam Cole is by by default like a tag half of the tag team champions now. Then I would make the tag team match first and then you can utilize him being tired from the tag team match for why he doesn't win the ladder match that's the best way to book that (laughs) yeah like whichever either way whichever match he's going to lose you should have the one before that well i mean if he's going to lose it if he's going to win the tag match have that first if he's going to lose a tag match have it second yeah exactly um but i i mean this is probably the one i'm least excited about on the uh on the lineup just because I'm kind of over the authors of pain. Like I like them and I want to see them on the main roster, but like I'm over them as characters in NXT. They haven't done the best job of really making the undisputed era really matter as a tag team. And like, I don't want to see just a tag team. That's like, Hey, here's two guys. We don't know what to do with like win the tag team either. So it's kind of just like a very milk toast match to me. Oh, milk toast. <laughs> I heard that word in a while. That one goes out to Shane O'Hare. <laughs> Uh, so let's take a look at the women's match, which is basically a rematch from the previous takeover. Uh, and I'm still standing. I, I said it last time and I was wrong, but I'm going to still put my money on, on Shanna Baszler being the person who takes the belt off of Ember Moon. Yeah. I, I think that we see it here. I think we see it at this takeover. Like they've just been, they've been, they've been building Shayna really hard and really well. And I feel like the, 
she's just like this she's portrayed as as this destructive force and like her moves look so brutal and like i i hope that when we see ronda step into the ring at wrestlemania like i hope that she kind of channels some of what we've seen from baszler because she's been i feel like she's been really impressive and she's just been this brutal force that's like like watching some of those clips with her just tearing apart these opponents whether or opponents whether or not she's in a match with them like some of it is just like like you are just shocked because it looks so brutal and so rough and they I, I just feel like they've been building her really well i feel like this this is the match where she gets it i feel like even though like i feel like ember has not had the title for that long um i don't know i feel like they they i feel like potentially they have other plans for ember at this point um but but i don't mm-hmm. know i've really and- been enjoying what they've been doing with shana so far I was going to say, I would like to see Ember lose the title here. And and this is going to be crazy talk, but but hear me out. And win. Uh, have the... her challenge Asuka the, the Raw or SmackDown after WrestleMania and win the title off of Asuka and have Ember Moon in her debut match defeat Asuka. Um, and I would be want, insane. I'd want that for two reasons. A, it would put a ton of like spotlight on ember moon which she never really truly got in nxt i feel like and b it would finally end the undefeated streak which at this time at this point is becoming like almost a storytelling burden more than like a thing to celebrate anymore um <laughs> and i would much rather it be ember moon than like ronda rousey so, so like, i i feel like we like the i just don't know with oscar though i feel like she's really cool now but i feel like it's one of those things where the moment she loses wwe does not know what to do with her and she just falls by the wayside um as far as the nxt match i think shane is winning it too but at the same time i'm not particularly happy about it because now we're essentially gonna even though brock's on the way out the door we're still gonna essentially have even if it's just for 24 hours three of the same character in three different divisions like swallowing their respective divisions in each (laughs) section of the company and I'm not really a big fan of the kind of booking that I feel makes your actual wrestling roster. Not that Shane is not an actual wrestler, obviously, but in terms of like booking them as these, these unstoppable MMA fighters who completely outclass your actual wrestlers and then having a stranglehold on the division for months or in Brock's case, years at a time, it's very frustrating as a viewer to go through that where everybody else on the roster is made to look secondary now I have more faith in NXT to pull it off better because they're usually pretty good with balancing their roster and making multiple people look important at the same time. But I do feel a little bit worried about that direction where you're going to make Shayna look so unstoppable that nobody else holds a candle to her. And then if you do have someone beat her, run the risk of them seeing, run the risk of it seeming like unrealistic or unearned, I guess. Part of me, with the way that they've been putting more yeah. and more focus on Dakota Kai, I feel like they might be trying to build something like that since she is the one who like broke her arm or whatever originally. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm like I said, I agree with you guys, but I'm not particularly happy about it. And then you brought up and what you said about Oscar <laughs> real quick too. If now if they booked Oscar like they booked Shayna, I feel like she'd be a lot hotter. But for whatever reason, since she's been on the main roster, they've been booking her winning streak as she gets her ass kicked for 90% of the match and manages to sneak out a win. I mean, 
you know, that's not how Goldberg got over or even Ryback when he was on his streak or anybody with a winning streak, they get over not because they have this big number on one end of the tally, but they get over because they're dominant. And that's why Asuka was so over in NXT Mm. because she was dominant. The only time she really showed any weakness or the potential to lose is when she, like we talked about on a previous show was when she fought Ember and she, and she had to rely on uh, underhanded tactics to sneak by. But outside of that, she was like this unstoppable force on NXT and the way they've been booking her on the main roster is just like, she's essentially lucky to win every single match she's ever in. So it makes it hard to keep that momentum going. So I wouldn't even be completely opposed to your idea either as far as Ember just coming in the day after WrestleMania and ending the <laughs> winning streak. So hopefully they could do something more interesting with Asuka going forward if they're not going to actually make her look dominant as this fighting champion as opposed to someone who can barely beat anybody. Can I uh, can I throw in one thing real quick uh, for something I forgot to mention during the uh, tag match discussion is... Uh, I hate to say this, but this is the most poorly booked Dusty Rhodes tag team classic we've ever seen. <laughs> no, I feel like they're uh, just doing it because they feel like they have to now. Yeah, well, it's just like, what the hell are you doing with TM61? Like, how do you just not have heavy machinery at least move into the semifinals? Like, do you know how badly I would have wanted to see heavy machinery versus Authors of Pain with heavy machinery going over? Like, I would be a thousand times more excited for heavy machinery being in this tag match with Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne versus the Undisputed Era. Like, that would be so fucking awesome to me. Um, but whatever. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, on on the women again, do you think we could see, like, do you think Ember loses? Do you think we could see her in the Battle Royale on Sunday? I think that's super possible. We already saw her in the Women's Royal Rumble. That's true, <laughs> yeah. But do you, think, do you think we see that and then see her? Do you think she could win? What? I guess, I mean, I guess we'll go over. I guess that's coming. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, all right, so the final match, uh, probably the one that is very exciting. It's not going to be as exciting as Johnny versus Ciampa, but a very close second is Sienna almost versus Alistair Black. Uh, I mean, both of these dudes are pretty much ready for the main roster as far as I can tell. Uh, so I don't. I, I could see it going either way, but I think whoever loses this match, you will be seeing on the Raw or SmackDown after WrestleMania. Um, but Aleister Black, I think, has a good title run in him, and Cien almost, while he brings out great matches, is not going to be the most memorable NXT champion ever. Uh, so I, I'm kind of ready for him to lose the belt and then put on awesome matches on the main roster. That's where I'm yeah, at. <laughs> I pretty much agree with that. Um, I feel I, I love Aleister Black and Almas. He's like, he just hasn't done that much for me. And I, I, I'm still not a regular NXT watcher. I've been picking up on the weekly shows here and there. So uh, a lot of the time I am kind of filling in those that storyline via the promo packages, which are always excellent before the pay-per-view matches. But I don't know. Almas just hasn't done that much for me. And Aleister Black just feels so cool and different still. Um, I don't know. And he just, I feel like for me and for non-regular NXT watchers, he had so much momentum after that match with uh, Velveteen Dream. Um, and, and and even prior to that. But that, ma- that I feel like that was the match where prior to that, I was like, oh, he's he's cool and he's got a different look and and 
you know everything he does is pretty neat but that that match will have made both of those people look incredible and um and he's just been up there for me since then yeah for me i feel a little torn on this match because i don't really want either of them to be in nxt for too much longer uh but between the two i think that um almost probably needs to be in nxt a little bit longer um which is weird to say that makes me think that he's gonna win (laughs) Because it's like it tends to be like losing an NXT is a promotion, and winning an NXT <laughs> keeps you where you're at. So, um, but no, I I love almost like I love both guys. But over, over the past couple months, especially since they redid his character and introduces Alina, I really do feel like almost is like one of the best guys in in terms of like the complete act, including Zelina. I feel like is one of the best guys in NXT, and even one of the best guys in the company, probably. It was such a rocky road to get there, too. Like, it was like a solid year where he was just mm-hmm. floundering. And he apparently on had one foot out the door. I know Del Rio had said that, like, right when he joined NXT, that he was unhappy there and wanted to leave, which I thought was a terrible idea to publicize when he was so new in the company. But <laughs> not, in a recent interview, he confirmed it, and he said, yeah, he was telling Del Rio he wanted to leave, and Del Rio convinced him to stick it out and try to make it work, so turns out that it ended up paying off and now he was in the royal rumble he has that championship his profile's a lot higher right now than it was a year or two ago so i'm hoping that he continues to grow in nxt kind of get more comfortable with his with his act and his character and being able to deliver the promos on his own when he needs to and then from there have black move up to the main roster and have almost follow him later in the year but for now i think almost should stay champion no i think that's fair all right so let's move over to uh wwe main roster um we'll start with the battle royales to get them out of the way uh so as of the time that we're recording this and releasing this there's still another week of raw and smackdown for people to join these battle royales but right now uh the lineup is looking Pretty lame. So with the the Andre the Giant Battle Royale, we've got Dash and Dawson, uh, the most depressing tag team right now in WWE main roster. Uh, Baron Corbin, Mojo Rawlings, so two former winners whose career has skyrocketed them into another Andre the Giant Battle Royale. Uh, (laughs) Ty Dillinger, who will definitely not win it. Uh, Matt Hardy, who's got better things to be doing than this. Dolph Ziggler, maybe, and then Fandango and Breeze. So right now, there is not a winner in this in this collective, which makes me think that they will probably go back to the Baron Corbin win and bring in someone from NXT and make this a big moment. Maybe like a Lars Sullivan or something like that. Um, but yeah, right now, this is not... This is not looking like a very good or exciting match. <laughs> uh, it's sad seeing Nate, like, I'm a big fan of Ty Dillinger, and at this point I don't know why, because he doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. But, like, whenever I see his name on something, I'm like, oh, this is, like, this is the time. This is his moment. <laughs> this is Ty, like, but, no, he's going to be. He, he, he exists in your heart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, like, one thing that was weird about this match for me is seeing, like, after the build and the momentum and then everybody loving unexpectedly because a lot of people were pretty sure they were going to ruin it, but loving the ultimate deletion, like the very next week, he's like, I'm entering this battle royale. Like there's nothing better that you could do at WrestleMania with Matt Hardy after the ultimate deletion, than put him in the battle royale. 
Well, did you see how Michael Cole was like burying it before it started? Yeah, yeah, I did. Well, yeah. but <laughs> that's I just, probably how they feel I'm about sorry it for what you're about to watch or whatever. But I like that they immediately the following week turned that into some storyline with Matt Hardy trash talking Michael mm-hmm. Cole in his Twitter account and being like, "How dare you?" Blah 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 blah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it was a ratings, I, I mean, how did it do for ratings? I thought, I, I, I thought I read that it did pretty well, but it also like blew up on YouTube immediately once it was posted. Yeah, yeah so I, I think so, well, some people were trying to spin it because they were saying the ratings were down, but it was also in the third hour, and the ratings are always down in the third hour. But if I remember correctly, it pretty much held up to what the third about what the third hour usually is. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like that's going to be one of those things where, um, if it continues to like explode and people are talking about it and referencing it like i don't know vince is one of those dudes where he's he's very weird about what he'll decide to to go behind but Mm -hmm. he also likes to ride whatever is like trending so if like like, you know i mean like it doesn't matter how many people are cheering a particular person but if they're trending and like blowing up their youtube page and like causing websites to crash then it's like, okay, well, maybe we should put a little bit more of investment in this. So, like, I don't know. Time will tell if the the ultimate deletion is the only time that we really get to see uh, the Woken Matt Hardy universe again. Or if if there's enough of a continual, like, fan appraisal of it that it he's like, all right, let's give this another shot. Let's see what they can do. Um, but who knows? Because it also seems like his reins are getting uh, less and less steady on on his product with the xfl around the corner uh as evident in what we'll talk about in a couple minutes uh how great 205 live has been but <laughs> uh what but, did you guys what did you guys think of the ultimate deletion while we were here we haven't but, talked about it yeah this is the best place to talk about it i thought it was really good i thought it was it was not as crazy as the final deletion but i thought that it was a good like introduction to what you can expect if we did yeah i thought it was i thought it was good if I thought it was good, but it wasn't as good as the TNA ones, but it was still really funny. Like that part where he flips over the boat and fucking Senior Benjamin is underneath. Like there was a little fall at him. It was fucking like, hilarious. Sings the, fuck, sings the whole world in, in your hands. So. Yeah. I think that was, uh, that was the top moment in the Ultimate mm-hmm. for think- me too. Well, and I really hope that this is utilized to like not only just take Bray Wyatt off of TV for a while, but like take him off long enough for him to come back and it be a genuine restart where you do that character right. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's kind of like, this is your last chance. <laughs> like, book this <laughs> right, or you will never be able to get this character over again. Because people are already kind of over it. And you need to, like, right out the gate, he needs to be back to, like, the Bray Wyatt that shows up in the middle of the match and has John Cena like crucified in the ropes with a sheep mask over his face. Like it needs to be disturbing and as dark as you can get on PG TV. Not just like, I've got a spooky hologram. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know what they've been doing with him. I almost feel like throwing him in the lake of reincarnation is like killing off his character and he's going to come back as something else, but I don't know. Oh my God. Husky Harris. (laughs) What was it? What was his name? What, something. I think it was Mulligan, which is probably a play off his grandfather. But he had this weird character in FCW in between Husky Harris and Bray Wyatt, where he was like a, a serial killer in a Casey Jones mask. <laughs> I mean, that could be kind of cool. Um, all right, so 
let's move on to the uh, the name redacted women's battle royale, uh, which features Sasha Banks and Bailey as the only women from Raw right now. Uh, Becky Lynch, Liv Morgan, Naomi, Natalia, Ruby Riot, Sarah Logan, and Lana. So, based on that, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe Ember Moon has a chance there. Derek. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Bailey and Sasha should have an actual match. Yeah, um, but besides that, I feel like they're going to eliminate each other, yeah. which is obviously obviously takes out the two biggest stars in the match. So after that, who really cares? But yeah, I would say probably either someone from NXT or yeah, probably someone from NXT or someone <laughs> dumb like Lana. Now they, and just so they can... the worst part about this is that this we're literally exactly a week away from WrestleMania weekend, and both of these battle royales on Wikipedia are listed as to be determined number women battle royale and to be determined <laughs> number men. So like they have it, it's. I would love it to be like the 17 man Royal Rumble, like just whatever amount we can get in there. It's not even like a, a normal number, just like, oh, we've got the, the 34 man elimination Royal Rumble. <laughs> Everyone in that was in catering when we <laughs> announced the start of the Battle Royale. Battle and, Royale. and we still have I the genuinely... greatest Royal Rumble coming up. We're yeah, getting oh. so many Battle Royales this year. I, and I just. I would be totally fine if both of these things are pre-show. Like, just they really should be. They will be. Yeah. Like, I can't see them not being pre-show. Yeah, and then something to keep in mind about when trying to consider the winner for both battle royales is, you know, we were talking about maybe someone from NXT, or maybe they'll do like Baron, like Baron Corbin, or whatever, or have someone debut and win it. But don't forget, last year we had fucking the final two become Jinder Mahal and, um. Mojo Rawley. Mojo Rawley. So yeah, whoever. So whoever's the second in there is going to be champion within a month. Apparently, <laughs> that was that was the most exciting thing, though, for anybody who watched what culture at that time, <laughs> because um, they do their their WrestleMania predictions, and the one guy Adam Pacitti was unavailable to do his predictions, so they were making up his predictions for him, and their prediction for winning the Andre the Giant Battle Royale was Mojo Rawling. Because they're like, <laughs> well, he couldn't possibly win. And then, like, you're sitting on Twitter as the match is happening, and everyone's just like, oh, my God! <laughs> it was so fucking great to watch the reaction video of them watching the, the match and realizing that they're throwaway, oh, here's someone who certainly won't win, like... <laughs> Was so fucking fantastic. Um, so I'm going to jump ahead on the Wikipedia page because I think that there's a lot to discuss about the next two matches that are on there and go right to the Cedric Alexander versus Mustafa Ali uh, tournament final for the vacant cruiserweight championship. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have been watching 205 Live as, as loyally as I have, but literally since Enzo has left, it has been such a better 205 Live. It has been such a better show. Um, everything Rockstar Spud is, and that's what I'm always going to call him, is just killing it as a general manager. Probably the best general manager in all of WWE right now. Wow. And this tournament was incredible to watch. Uh, I am a little disappointed that my boy Drew Gulak didn't make it to the finals, but I love that they're giving such a huge push to Mustafa Ali, who is, you know, a baby face that can just be himself despite his ethnicity, which is 
groundbreaking <laughs> in WWE. Um, so I really, as much as everyone kind of feels like, all right, this is Cedric's time. He's almost won this belt how many times? I would be just as equally happy if they swerved us and threw it on Mustafa. Yeah. So. I feel like I feel like they've been building up Cedric for so long that he's pretty much going to win it, but I honestly would rather have Mustafa win it at this point. Because he's been so in the pre in the pre Enzo and the Enzo days, he was always one of the best in ring performers, but they never really had anything for him. And then now that they've given him a chance to cut promos and show personality, I think he's a more complete package than um, Cedric is. But then again, yeah, he's better on the mic. He is way better on the mic than Cedric, as seen on like the contract signing this week on Two Hundred Five Live. Yeah, and like on top of that, though, it's like. You know, Cedric was in line to get the title shot against Enzo before he got fired. And you could tell they've been really putting a lot of stock in him before that. And I don't think they're going to throw away all that time and build that they've dedicated to Cedric just to have him lose right at the last second. Uh, however, if I was booking it, like I said, that would be I would go with uh, Mustafa. I feel like he's a lot better overall. Yeah, it's it's a shame, though, because the flip side of that is 205 Live is great, but they still can't make the cruiserweights even remotely compelling on Raw. And... They haven't even been on Raw up until like last week. Yeah, right? they just did like random like since Triple H took over. Yeah, but it's just been random ass tag matches. And it's like <laughs> I just get them over to SmackDown. Like I, I feel like SmackDown could use the cruiserweights better and people are already there for two oh five live. So like just have it tied into that and not put them on the main roster TV unless it's like a big cross promotion deal that you're trying like this. Like this cruiserweight championship better not be on the pre show. It probably will. But it, it really I think it will, yeah. It 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 feels it almost feels like what they do with the cruiserweights on the main shows right now is what they used to do with with the women, where they'd be like, oh, who's here? Okay, throw them in a, throw them in a tag match, like yeah. Like, Unfortunately, and, and then yeah, and then it like what you see on Raw, which is like like the only reason they're doing that is so that you remember that two hundred five live exists. Like what, but what they do on Raw is not going to make a single person ever want to watch two hundred five live. Yeah, no, exactly. All right, so let's uh, jump into some tag team talk. Um, so what could have been a really great WrestleMania match is now kind of being bogged down by the Bludgeon Brothers. Uh, we've got the Usos versus the New Day versus the Bludgeon Brothers in a triple threat tag match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Um, what you got against not, the Bludgeon Brothers? I, I mean... I'm going to use the word again, milk toast. Uh, they like, <laughs> I just feel like they, their build has been really dull. And I don't even think that they're getting over on their squash matches. And like, you've got the Usos in the New Day who have never really had a WrestleMania main event, mm. especially the Usos. Um, and this should have been like the show stealing match for both of these guys. That's and true. now I just feel like the bludgeon brothers are just kind of there and they're probably going to win. Cause they're pushing them so hard. And like, I love Harper and Rowan, but I don't know what the fuck this is. Like, I think, I think a big part of the problem though, is that they're being introduced as something new and we've seen them floundering for four years. It's like, yeah. you know, putting on, putting on Brown jumpsuits doesn't change who they are or that they've been a team for a very, very long time before this. So it makes it and they're hard. very talented guys. That's the worst part. They're two very talented guys. Yeah, for sure. And it's just I don't know. Like you said, I feel like it's a given that they're going to win. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I kind of 
I don't know. I'm torn because the tag team division, let's be honest, like outside of the Usos and the New Day is pretty bad right now. Like there's not a whole lot of teams and the Usos have already beat everybody. So while I agree that, you know, having the Usos in the New Day would have been a good option for WrestleMania since that's probably the best match you can put on. It's like we also saw them wrestle like a dozen times only like maybe five or six like months ago. pay-per-view. Yeah. And then they just had another seven. match a month ago. So it's like, you know, if you want to make the division look like a big deal, you have to do something other than what you've already done uh, so many times in the last year. But at the same time, like I said, with the Bludgeon Brothers, having them be the, I guess, the special, like, um, attraction that's added to the mix, I don't really know if that works too well because they're just, like I said, just because you call them something different and dress them different doesn't mean they're not the same team we've seen for so long. So even them, in their case, isn't anything particularly exciting. So it's like, it's really a case where I feel like in both the women's and the tag team division, if they're going to have the dual branded pay-per-views, I feel like at this point they really should consider um, just combining the rosters again, at least in those two divisions. Like, cause remember I've been saying that for a while. I would have rather had the Usos have a match against Cesaro and Sheamus to combine the tag titles and do the same thing with a triple threat between Oscar, Charlotte and Alexa to combine the women's belts just, and just do, have have the champion be a floater that bounces yeah. between both shows so that everyone's getting an equal opportunity. But, yeah. like, this is not working. There's not enough tag teams and there's not enough women to build entire divisions on each show around it, yeah. unfortunately. It's, yeah, it's kind of crazy because I felt, like, again, when they did the very first brand split, I think it was like the women's division was on one show and the tag division was on another. And they're never going to do that now because they want to, you know, with the women's revolution and everything, they're not going to want to, downplay the women by not having them on one show but Mm -hmm. still i feel like there needs to be some kind of solution where either you need to hire a lot more women and a lot more tag teams to fill out both divisions or you need to consolidate what you have because it's like uh, in in both cases it's really not working you can't watch especially when you have dominant champions like uh the usos they can only wrestle the same four teams so many times before even their great matches start feeling like they're just kind of going through the motions, not in their case, but as a fan watching them again, wrestling the same people again. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Hello everyone, we're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. No matter how good the matches are, it does get Ooh. dull after a while.
Well, and stop jobbing out all of your other teams at the same time. Like, <laughs> like there's no reason why we should be constantly seeing on Raw the the revival losing in like two minute matches. Like put the revival against just a random local tag team and let them tear down the yeah. house for a little bit. Like Breezango was so over and then they're just like, all right, well let's stop showing the fashion files on TV and just have them lose in squash matches. Now like it's just it's insanity because yeah, you only have two teams that ever have a chance ever uh on SmackDown and then like all right, let's use it. So, so are we saying Bludgeon Brothers for this one? Because this is kind of a good way to jump right into what we think is going to happen yeah. with the Raw Tag Team belts, which we don't even know who the full <laughs> lineup is. Yeah. It's a week and, away. Yeah, and that <laughs> leads me to the next thing I was going to say. It's like as as repetitive as the SmackDown Tag t- uh, Division's been, look at the Raw Division where it's like one guy is better than your entire fucking tag team division and he just needs a partner by for, by yeah. because of a formality. Which, I mean hilarious when that happened but mm-hmm. i did not think that that was actually going to lead to braun Strowman being the winner of that like i was like are you fucking kidding me like first <laughs> i'm like oh this is a great way to like just have braun ruin something but like not actually make him the winner of the tag team tournament for the belt like i was just like i went from like Loving it to hating it so quickly. <laughs> and it's weird because, you know, you know, he's going to win. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, he's going to win. And th- like how you mentioned a, a second ago about the tag teams, it's like the way they push people is like they push them until they're done with them. And then all of a sudden they're losing in two minute matches because they don't have enough time or enough attention to dedicate more than one storyline at a time to a division. So m- more than likely, Braun's going to win. And then it's weird to me because, like, sure, Cesaro hasn't been necessarily at the highest profile in terms of singles competition. But, like, Sheamus is, like, this multi-time champion. He's beaten Roman Reigns, who they they push as, like, the second coming of, like, Luthez or whatever the fuck. And it's, like, <laughs> um, it's so weird that you're going to have Braun. Like, this match is going to essentially be a squash, I feel. Like, I mean, it might not it might go like five minutes or so, but it, and it might seem competitive at points, but you know that most of it's going to be Braun just throwing him around. And I'm not even the biggest Sheamus fan, but it feels weird to have a match where you have a dominant tag team that have been champions for pretty much the entire year since last WrestleMania. And one of them's a multi-time world champion. And the storyline is like, neither of like the two of them combined could barely compete with Strowman. And they're they're essentially going to lose a two to one match depending on how they do it, which is seems like the direction they're going to take. I don't know. I could I feel like they're going to give us a surprise tag partner for Braun, and I think it's entirely possible for that person to eat the pin because Braun Strowman would be wasted as the tag team champion, like entirely wasted uh, with with the momentum that he has right now. Because once Reigns beats Brock. <clears throat> Spoiler alert for later on in the predictions. <laughs> um, Brock is Brock is probably going away, and Reigns needs someone to wrestle and have like the person who could beat Reigns, and that should be Braun Strowman. And Braun Strowman shouldn't be wasted as a tag team guy in that time. Yeah, but at the same um, time, I don't think they're going to give you Braun Strowman Roman Reigns so early into the re- into the wrestling year. Like, which this is the thing like, that can kill some time and keep him on the burner. Got yeah. it. Yeah. That's what I, I'm thinking because usually April, April's for Kane's title shots. Usually 
<laughs> like that's when they bring him back to pretend that he's a contender for a couple months. So like I could see Strowman at like maybe SummerSlam or Royal Rumble ish or maybe even WrestleMania next year. But yeah. I think him being the tag team champion is exactly because they want him to be a contender to Reigns and they need to kill time to have him do something up until he they want to have him wrestle in a bigger on a bigger stage. And I guess what better way to build him up for Roman than to have him essentially beat and the entire tag two division guys. in a two-on-one yeah. run for a couple months. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to still stand by. I think Cesaro and Sheamus retain. That's that's my that's my vote. And who do you think is the partner? Your vote is Braun. I I just uh, want to say as much as the like as much as I totally get what you're saying in regards to having this one guy come in and beat everyone makes the rest of the uh, division look weak. It it was it is so entertaining. And I would be like more entertained than anything for, I was disappointed when they announced that he would have to have a partner because just imagining Braun Strowman with a tag belt around each arm was brilliant. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 I'm still hoping that he finds some loophole and that he goes in alone and that he still wins. And yes, it makes his own Seamus and everyone else look like shit, but it doesn't matter because Braun Strowman's the best. So, uh, I really want his tag partner to be a returning James Ellsworth. Yeah, that is or true. that, or that. Is, you know, <laughs> like maybe him getting released was just a, a swerve. <laughs> it was a long, a long con. Either that, or it would really be funny if it was Kurt Hawkins too. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, like, he's basically like streak. Ellsworth. His win, yeah, his win, his lo- his like whatever two hundred something lo- day losing st- or match losing streak is broken because he's sitting in a corner while Braun Strowman beats two people. <laughs> um. All right, so let's talk about Daniel Bryan. Uh, Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon supposedly are having a match supposedly. against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Um, if Owens and Zayn win, they'll be rehired, so we kind of know who's winning this match. Uh, the big question is if Shane McMahon is actually going to make it. Um, if from, from all of the reports, it doesn't seem like this is just a storyline work. Uh, it seems like he is... Uh, legitimately got a very serious issue that will need to have surgery. Uh, the question is, is Shane McMahon crazy enough to still wrestle before that surgery? And I'm thinking probably yes, but yeah, well, I've read that it's uh, like it, it's diverticulitis, which both Br- Brock Lesnar has been like debilitated by in the past. Uh, I think Vince had it at some point as I think well. Vince had it twice. <clears throat> yeah. Like that is not insignificant. And from what I've from what I read as well, it was like the guidance of the doctors was to not do this because it could be very dangerous. But that apparently he's so set on it, or yeah, he or jumps something. off pages, man. And maybe I mean I mean it's it's obviously it's hard to see to, it's hard to see where reality ends and the kayfabe world begins. But um, I don't know. It's it sounds crazy. Um, I I think that he goes in does very minimal work. We're probably not going to see like a giant spot from Shane McMahon and he eats the pin. Yeah. And I think he eats the pin. Like, I think that that's like, cause then you can protect Daniel Bryan. You still kind of sort of protect Shane McMahon in the sense of like, look, man, he's fucking wrestling with this thing going on. Like he was working at a detriment already. Like even with the tag partner, Daniel Bryan was in a handicap match. Mm -hmm. Like kind of like you can build that whole story. I would love to see Daniel Bryan win on his first match back, but 
I mean, you can't not have yeah. Kevin and Sammy on the I mean, show. So I, it's it's. I, I mean, I could see Daniel Bryan win. Like it would be hard hard for him not to win his first match. I could see him winning, and then Owens and Zayn being hired to Raw. Again, That's what I was going to say too. Because they're also going to like, wasn't the the shakeup happened last year after WrestleMania, didn't it? Like, it is time to get have things be shaken up again, um, and that would totally fit into it, and that would also give us, you know, some room for a couple of other people to come in. Um, you know, Kevin and Sammy have done some good work over here, but you know, now now I feel like I feel like they're a they're a pair um, that like like. They're just excellent, and and they helped. Although SmackDown has been suffering for some time, they were often a highlight of it. Uh, and I feel like Raw needs some needs a little bit more of that right now as well. Um, but just getting them out, uh, have you know, having Daniel bring ha- having Daniel Bryan win his returning match means that they're also out, which means that we have a couple of spots free for a couple of other people to come in. Uh, and I don't see that as a negative thing. So I could I could still see that happening. Um, yeah, I would. I would love to see Daniel Bryan win his first match back, and I would love to see Daniel Bryan move through this storyline as fast as possible, so that he can have a feud with the Miz, uh, which yeah. has been building for years at this point. So, so at this point, do you think Miz uh, gets moved to SmackDown or? Totally. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. brings the Intercontinental will... Title with him, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, so, so someone pointed out, and I do want to call this out. Um, Daniel, they've been very smart or Daniel Bryan, depending on who's doing the promos, but they've been very smart with how they've been presenting Daniel Bryan because you can't present him as the scrappy underdog anymore. So they've kind of changed it into like him cutting promos that, that you can relate to as like an everyman where he's like, you know, I'm fucking sick and tired of having to wear this suit and have to do like, it's like kind of like the same way that back in the day seeing stone cold stunner his boss gave you this thrill of like man i wish i could do that to my boss like they're kind of using that same concept of showing daniel bryan as this dude that's just like fed up with having to be part of this corporate bullshit and wants to like do his own thing and it's like that's awesome keep doing that that's a really great storyline for daniel bryan for a few Mm. months did you see how um did you see how Sami Zayn was so distraught about losing his job that he sold his twitter account to his mentor El, El Generico? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and I saw that Kevin Owens is now Kevin Steen again on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the most exciting thing. Like, someone mm. suggested that if Shane McMahon can't wrestle, then El Generico should be Daniel Bryan's tag <laughs> partner. <laughs> and have Zane continually going underneath the ring to do costume changes. Or, I mean, you could, you could always hire Matt Cross to play... El Generico, and it would be it would be like when they had that Undertaker versus Undertaker match, where it's like El Generico uh, versus so Kane, or Kane versus Fat Kane. <laughs> like a few years ago, where he's like, "No, you're not real." <laughs> all right, so so let's talk about the other. Uh, let's get all of the people who are GMs and commissioners into a match. Um, we've got a mixed tag match between Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey versus Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. And I said something about this at work, and I, I want to be wrong, but there is a part of me that thinks it is very possible for this to be the headline match at WrestleMania just because it's Ronda Rousey. Um, I really hope I'm yeah, that's wrong. Yeah, I've heard that that's been kicked around, too. Yeah. Like, I mean, they don't finalize the card until the day of. I think last year, Roman and Undertaker wasn't scheduled to be last until, like, pretty much the show oh, started. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I could see it too, but less because of Ronda and more because of Stephanie, how 
apparently this whole thing is a, the goal with this whole angle is to get Stephanie over as a mainstream star. So yeah, <laughs> uh, it's bizarre, but there's no way that Ronda doesn't win this. Like it'd be so stupid if Ronda Triple H and Stephanie win. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's not much to talk about. It's probably one of the matches I'm least excited to see. Uh, I feel like I'm most, I'm almost like not most excited, but it's up there for me. Just, I mean, I have been, I've watched UFC for the last several years as well. And I've watched Rousey fight a a significant number of times, a few times. I don't know. That's significant. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, And like, I I don't know. I feel like they like this storyline build because it was Rousey came in. What are they going to do with her? And, like, right from that contract signing, I was like, oh, shit, this is interesting. Like, I, I just love those, like, versus the authority storylines. And I feel like this one is has been built quite well in a short period of time. Um, and and who knows? Like, I don't know how the match will be. Like, I, I, I'm interested in seeing how, like, what the match will turn into. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very interested in seeing Kurt Angle and Triple H face off again. Um, so it, it just remains to be seen what Rousey and Stephanie will do, but, um, and if it's, it may be less for the match itself, but more, I'm interested in this storyline and I want to see how it, how it ends or how it uh, culminates at WrestleMania, but I, I'm not, not excited for this match. And it's crazy to think that we're, it's 2018 and we're going into a WrestleMania card where Kurt Angle is a, is probably going to be a headliner, head, sorry, headliner, uh, and where Daniel Bryan is going to be fighting on the same roster, like amazing mm-hmm. this yeah, is, pretty- like looking at this wikipedia article this this card feels stacked as shit no this is a this is going to be a good wrestlemania uh, no like i that worries me because the last couple of years they had terrible looking cards and they ended up being really good so i'm yeah. kind of afraid <laughs> that they have this amazing looking card and they're just gonna fuck it up but <laughs> I just, I just, the only thing they won't be able to live up to is how awesome last year's ramp and ring and and whole theme was like that, that yeah, arena that looked cool. incredible. Oh no, I, I was just going to add that I'm really looking forward to the match too because I'm, I really, I'm not a huge MMA fan, but I am happy for Ronda and want to see what she can do, and like, and I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to cover up the match to make it exciting without it being a good match. Because on one hand, you have Stephanie who's not really a wrestler, and on the other hand, you have Kurt Angle who can't really walk anymore <laughs> too well. <laughs> so it's like, it would be different if it was like both women were the were the weak points and then you could have the men cover it up or if both men were the weak points so you could have the women mm-hmm. cover it up but it's like ronda on one side and triple h on the other and they can't really fight each other so it's like every time they tag in it's <laughs> going to be one person trying to hide the other person's weaknesses which so it'll be interesting to see i'm curious to see how it's going to play out and i wouldn't even mind it really being the main event mostly because we've had like four years in a row of roman reigns standing tall at the end of WrestleMania. So it would be nice <laughs> to have a change of pace. But uh, I, I feel like I hope like one of Rhonda's big issues right now is that she just looks so happy to be there all the time that it's like, like her toughness doesn't show through because she's like trying to hide a smile. I hope that once she's actually in a match, she can kind of put it away. But um, I don't know. It's been, it's been like just heartwarming to see her in the ring almost every time. And she's had bad promos and bad makeup and, oh, that weird and whatever, stuff. but like, she just looks so, yeah. Yeah. But she just looks so genuinely like just so happy to be there. And that's something that you don't see that often anymore. I feel like. Um, and so that's just really nice to see. And, and hopefully she can, you know, hopefully she can carry a match. We'll find out soon. 
All right. Uh, so let's start talking about more women. Uh, so we've got Charlotte Flair versus Asuka, which um, I am like 90% sure that this is going to go to Asuka, but I also could see Charlotte Flair being the person to beat Asuka's winning streak. So who knows? Um, but I'm, I'm, I would put my money down on Asuka for this one. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good match. I, I, I mean, there's not... This is one of those ones where I don't have that much to say. I just think it's going to be a good match. Yeah, same here. I'm still, I don't. It's like it's weird because I don't want it. To, I don't want it to happen for a wrestling standpoint, but I do want to see it happen for the internet meltdown. But I still hold to what I said a few <laughs> weeks ago, where I hope Oscar wins it and then Carmella cashes in on her. And oh shit, you're right. No, that's what I think is going to happen. Actually, is Carmella cashing in on this match? I, I think that that is actually like, you guys and winning. Like you guys think that she'll cash in and win? Yeah, for me, in my scenario, Carmella definitely mm. beats Oscar, and it's not it's not a Seth Rollins deal where she cashes in mid match and then like pins Charlotte and steals the title. I mean, like Oscar wins, maybe and then she hits her with a Asuka briefcase, win, <laughs> and then Charlotte leaves the ring. And then Carmella runs in from the crowd or something, hits her with the briefcase, turns it in, hits her with whatever her finisher is, because I don't know, and <laughs> win. I think it's a moonwalk. <laughs> <laughs> it's ye- it's yelling in, in Staten Island. Uh, but I would say, I actually, I forgot all about that factor. Yeah, no, I think, I think Carmella genuinely cashes in. I think, if I recall correctly, she currently is the longest reigning money in the bank holder ever (laughs) so and like that's not a joke like i think i read that somewhere like she's held it for a longer period of time than any other person i mean it's because she keeps failing to cash in (laughs) at this point like at Uh, this point is that two times or three times where she's run in she's like handed it to the ref and then some shit's happened so the bell doesn't ring and then for some reason i hate that gets to keep the briefcase well and they've been doing that they do that with the men too a lot it's so annoying but they've been doing it so often. Like, she wasn't cashing in for a really long time, and now they're doing it a lot that it really does seem to to me that she is going to cash in at WrestleMania. <laughs> like, that seems to be the big implication for her. Or they fake uh, it the, out at WrestleMania again, too. She, like, tries that's to hit the ref, gets immediately in an arm bar or something, and or an Oscar lock, and goes from there. The other women's match, which I, I, it's totally fine. It's a super fine match, but I'm just, like, not that invested is Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax, uh, which I also see as being a title change to Nia Jax. I think so. Even, yeah, even I think this is going to be essentially like what I said, the Cesaro Sheamus versus Strowman is. It's going to be essentially a glorified squash. Like it might go a few minutes to try to give Alexa some offense, but they have 12 matches on the card. They need to speed through this <laughs> points to save time for the Undertaker's entrance. So yeah, I was going to say it's do- like, so do we think that Undertaker and John Cena are having a match, or are we just wasting a bunch of time on No, Raw? I think I think John Cena is just going to be in the crowd watching because he doesn't have a WrestleMania. Someone will just see camera cuts of him sitting with fans throughout the show, and <laughs> yeah. then because WrestleMania because because Undertaker does not respond, and then all of a sudden Undertaker's music hits, and you just see John Cena looking really confused, but then he jumps up and like runs out the back. Because he's got to get ready all of a sudden. Like <laughs> I've seen people uh, suggest that actually, like have him really? jump out of the crowd when the Undertaker shows up and just start the match that way. I I feel like that is cr- like as great of a like Cena's been doing fantastic in terms of like like trying to build this match on his own. Like oh, those have been some good promos, and it's just like you're just like you watch it and you're like, yeah, fuck this Undertaker guy. Like he's being disrespectful <laughs> to us fans. Why won't he say, just say no. Did you guys just say anything? Did you guys watch the uh, match he had with Kane? 
Yes. Like he was doing all yeah. the Undertaker spots, but he was making these goofy yeah. ass faces every time. Like yeah, I was, was watching great. it in this like there's this coffee shop near me that plays wrestling, so I'll go there and do oh, homework really? sometimes while they run raw. And it's like I started laughing. I like laughed out loud so hard. I think I scared them. But like I looked up and he did the Undertaker's throat <laughs> slit and he was making this weird, stupid like he was trying to look angry, but he didn't know how. So it's like it was horrible. But aside so from that, yeah, the build's been great. Someone someone suggested, I think it was the writer on Up Rocks, was like, I hope this all builds to WrestleMania just being John Cena storming around backstage screaming Undertaker. And then just as <laughs> just as the show ends, he just looks sad sitting somewhere backstage, and Undertaker just walks up to him, farts in his farts in his hand and throws it in Cena's face. <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, anyway, Alexa Bliss is probably going to lose her belt tonight. Yeah. <laughs> um, Those things that she said were so mean. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? So here's the thing that I wish they would have done and they didn't. And I think it's a super missed opportunity. I think that instead of it being like, hey, we were running late for an interview. Like, it should have been revealed that that Mickey James set that all up. Because there's no reason for her and Alexa. They, they never gave a reason for Mickey James and Alexa yeah. to be friends again. They just suddenly were friends. <laughs> So like, at least they were, have... I, at first they like at first it made sense because they needed allies for the elimination chamber. But I have no idea why they're still together. Well, and during that whole build, Mickey James was essentially like, "I'm not going to be friends with her because I don't trust her." So like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That was that's baffling to me, and I feel like it would have been a way better reveal to be like, "Oh, you thought I was your friend? No, Naya's going to murder you now." Bye. Like and walk off. Um, so let's let's jump to the match that. I couldn't have cared less about until very recently uh, when it went from a triple threat to a fatal four way. <laughs> oh man. Randy Orton versus no, Bobby Roode versus Jinder versus Rusev day. And this better be Rusev day walking out as the U S <laughs> champion because he's the only person anybody cares about in this match. Did you read, did you see that promo? How Jinder said that not only should he be U S champion, but he should also be number one contender. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's so good. Um, no, but yeah, there's like Rusev has to win this because otherwise they're going to have not, it's not going to be this big of a deal, but it's going to get close to that time where Daniel Bryan lost in the opening match at 16 seconds. And like the first half of the show is completely hijacked by people being pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Now you're going to hear Rusev day chance the entire show. If he does not win the U S title. Okay. And I, I read that he, cause it was just, like this week that he was added, right? Like it was just on yeah. this last this last episode, and he, I read that he was just like uh, right up until then he was just scheduled for the battle royale, but that Vince was like, "Oh shit, look at these merch sales," and threw him <laughs> in here, which makes yeah, me it's like which makes me think that because he's just this tag, like like oh we have this triple threat, but let's put Rusev in there because people like him right now, like. That makes me feel like he's not going to win, but he need. How can you have a guy as over as Rusev? Like this guy has got his own dedicated calendar on the WWE shop, <laughs> and you are just putting him in the battle royale. Yeah, like I mean, a few years ago they let Zack Ryder win the Intercontinental Title as a last second decision, it's just true. to give the crowd a feel good moment. And that so was a great moment. Yeah, so I'm hoping they do the same. I feel like they have to because what the fuck? I mean, Randy's great, but. You know, the crowd's kind of bored of him generally. And then WrestleMania crowds usually like Randy, but I think compared to Rusev, he's going to, like, people aren't going to like that. And mm-hmm. then fucking no one cares about Jinder or Bobby at all at this point. So it's really Dude. just between Randy and 
and Rusev. And, and then we've seen Randy do all of this stuff so many times. They need mm, yeah. to turn Bobby Roode heel in the worst way because he is a horrendous baby face. Yeah, I mean, it's not even just that, but they don't... He was a good baby face in TNA. It's just that his character in WWE is literally just his entrance. Yeah. Like, you can't care about somebody after his entrance is over if that's all that you're presenting him as. Um, but that's the thing that sucks. is like, when he was a heel in NXT, he was so good at, like playing that modern day Ric Flair. Like I'm, I'm more, you know, I'm more attractive than you. I have more money than you. Like, and he can't do any of that shit as a baby face. So he's just kind of <laughs> like, yeah, I'm glorious. <laughs> and that's like his entire thing. Like, it's like, just be, just be the entitled douchebag. Like I, that was my hope. If Rusev wasn't added to this match was Bobby Roode wins by heelish tactics. And then like you at least get heel Bobby Roode. But I'm I'm putting my money on Rusev. I know that Josh is or uh, that Derek kind of thinks that because he's at it at the last second, it means he's definitely not going to win it. For me, I feel like that's usually the case where they win it all in WWE. <laughs> I also think uh, we're a little bit overdue for another gender push. So, oh, oh yeah. yeah, no, it's been a, it's been, a rough few months. it's been a few months. <laughs> the 1.3 billion fans in India are uh, love, who all love Roman Reigns. They're getting antsy. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> uh, anyway. So here's one of here's one of the two hardest matches for me to call the IC title match between the Miz, Seth Rollins, and Finn Balor. Um, part of me really thinks that this should stay to the Miz. Uh, he's doing such a good job, and like Seth and Finn should have their own like back and forth. Maybe even turn Finn heel a little bit with the, the club. Like there's a lot of things you can go with. Uh, by keeping the belt on the Miz. But the flip side is also feeling like Maurice just had a kid and maybe the Miz wants to take like a few weeks off to like be there for his newborn child. Mm -hmm. And then by the time he comes back, it's time to feud with Daniel Bryan. So, so yeah, like on that subject, um, I feel, I fully thought the Miz is going to win because essentially Rollins and Balor were going to take each other out and he was going to take advantage. But earlier when we were talking about the possibility of Miz getting sent to SmackDown, with Daniel Bryan being active, I think it would be a really interesting storyline if he loses at WrestleMania and you know how he's like, he's like days away from breaking the record for like the most, most accumulative days as intercontinental champion. Right. Yeah. So I was thinking it would be a great storyline if he loses the intercontinental title and then he gets drafted to SmackDown and like the whole time he's on SmackDown, he's desperately trying to find ways to get back to raw because he can't wrestle for the IC title there. (laughs) (laughs) it's like he's like i'm only three weeks away i need my belt yeah he's so i mean i've said it before and i'll say it again i i think it's great that he's gonna break the the like accumulative thing but i would be overjoyed if they kept that belt on him for like a full year so that he could beat honky tonk man's single reign record as well um which I'm surprised they haven't just based on the fact that they're on really good terms with The Miz and I don't think they're on such great terms with Honky Tonk Man. He's an A-lister who needs to keep leaving to film all of his movies so they keep taking the belt off of him and then putting it back on when he comes back. Yeah. It's the life yeah. of an A-lister. It's the sacrifices you have to make for being in those blockbuster films like The Marine Six. So here's the question then. If not The Miz, do they put it on Seth Rollins or Finn Balor? The difficulty of making that decision is exactly why I think Miz is winning, but... Um, between the two, I think Balor should win the Intercontinental title and Rollins should be moved to SmackDown. 
I think that that's a really smart move, actually. I think that it would be smart to get Rollins and Reigns as far away from each other brand-wise for a little bit. Because, um, I don't know. I, Ambrose is gone, and like I feel like once Ambrose is back and once everyone seems healthy and like they will be healthy for some time, they should try this whole Shield thing again because it totally fell apart last time. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just think that it's... I think I think the shield was strictly there to make people care about Roman Reigns going into the Brock Lesnar match, and I think after he wins that match, they do not care about the shield anymore backstage. Yeah, pretty much uh, until they really need to like elevate Reigns' popularity again. Um, yeah, I think Finn Balor would be the one though. I, I think it, he got an unfair shot with the Universal Title and has not gotten a single title shot since really. Um, yeah, so true. I think that this would be a good like. Hey, we're really sorry. Here's the IC belt. Let's see what you can do with it. Here's your consolation prize. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other match that I really don't know how to call is AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, yeah, that one's kind. Of, that one's hard. Well, because it's like AJ's killing it, and they're really not like I would love to see Nakamura win it. I feel like that would be like a huge thing for Nakamura. But the flip side is they have done nothing, nothing. to yeah. make us care about Nakamura and why he wants this belt. Like, it seems like the only thing he wants to do is kick AJ Styles in the face. There's like, he doesn't even mention the title in any of his like kick you in the face promos. It's just, I'm going to beat you at WrestleMania. I'm going to kick you in the face. Um, So I just, I don't, I don't know what they want to do with Nakamura. Well, honestly, I if, if he were to, if Nakamura were to win, because I feel like, <clears throat> Uh, like I didn't watch Nakamura before and then really liked him in NXT. And then he, he almost feels Bobby Roodish in his WWE time so far where he feels like an entrance and like he, he feels like an entrance and then a dude that has interesting moves. But I, and I don't know if it's like a language thing or what, but they haven't given him a lot of mic time. He hasn't developed as a character that much. And so like I just don't care that much anymore, but I wonder if if a win like this would give that momentum for that, people to care again. Although at the same time, like I see, you know, there was like a video recently of like the entire crowd leaving an arena and all like singing his theme song through the streets, and I'm like, okay, that guy's over. But then again, is that him or is that just his entrance again? Um, I don't know. Yeah. So I feel like it's tough. Like, how do you guys like like for instance separating? watching him in new japan or whatever like what what do you see as the differences between his character as we see it right now versus versus when he was over in in another promotion well i mean in new japan it was kind of a progressive thing because him and naito had a similar situation except uh nakamura's wasn't nearly as much backlash but essentially they were both pushed as top guys but they had no personality and the crowd didn't really take to them then they disappeared for a while and developed, came back with a new character. And that's what this is, is like his character that he came up with when he came back from his initial, like failed run essentially. And so seeing that evolution and seeing him grow in new Japan is different from him just showing up in WWE as the finished product, which is why it's their job to write uh, for him in a way to make people connect to him. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like and the, on the match itself, just to go back to that a little bit, I think Shinsuke should win, mostly because for the exact same reason Derek said, like it would be a good way to establish him. If they want him to be a top player, he needs to 
have that big win, especially after all of his losses to Jinder. I feel like another loss would just kind of make it look like he's one of those guys who just can't cut it at the very top. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think it's a bad idea. I'm like kind of torn because I think it's a bad idea to elevate someone by giving them the title. I feel like they should be elevated already to justify that position. But at the same time, it's like AJ's not going anywhere at this point. He's already... He's only been in the company for two years, and I feel like he's already well-established as like a Hall of Fame talent within WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing stopping them from bringing AJ back into the fold whenever they want him to be there. Whereas Nakamura losing what I think would kind of... could possibly permanently keep him away from that upper echelon in WWE right now, which is why I think he does need it more and should win it. But again, like what you were saying, in the other promotions the audience had a chance to grow with him in NXT to an extent they had a chance to grow with him, just not as much, but we kind of understood who he was, what his motivations were and all of that. And I think at WrestleMania in particular, it's not going to be as much of an issue because everybody there is going to know who he is and his reputation. And I feel like a lot of the storyline, how Matt just said, the promos are essentially have just been like, he just wants to deliver knee to face and beat AJ Styles. (laughs) And I feel like, I feel like it's a good storyline in the sense that if you know their history, it's essentially just saying that they have this rivalry spanning the globe and they want to prove one wants to prove that they're better than the other while AJ is kind of having a lack of confidence at this point because he's in well, it's a subtext to it, but he's apparently injured in real life on top of him needing help to fight off these double team attacks while Nakamura do, can do it by himself. So it's like the mm-hmm. storyline is there but you're kind of expected to know their history and if you've only watched wwe programming it's exactly what matt said where he's just literally saying i want to kick you in the face and that's it like it's not without all that context it's far from a great wrestlemania build and i feel like they are kind of leaning on expecting you know to know that history a little too much but even then i think nakamura will be fine at wrestlemania it's just what they do after wrestlemania and the weeks and months ahead is going to be the real problem yeah no i think that that all is super accurate uh all right so let's dive in to the the last thing that we need to talk about uh there's really not much to say brock lesnar versus roman reigns uh roman reigns will finally get his universal championship uh the crowd will be mixed at best and the show will go off the air (laughs) (laughs) so i mean does anyone think that they're gonna trick us and Brock retains? Have Carmella cash in? No, because Brock... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like I, yeah, no, Roman's gonna win, and I'm totally cool with that at this point. I, 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 I don't dislike Roman, but I also like feel as though we should actually see the Universal Title on TV from time to time, and right now we don't. Uh, you know, he pops up here and there every couple months. Uh, but it, like when you have entire builds to a pay-per-view, like what, what was it like after, like after WrestleMania last year or something, it was like an entire month to a pay-per-view where the winner would get to face Brock at the next pay-per-view. So it was like, so it wasn't like two or three months between. Yeah, like, yeah it was forever. And, and yeah, it was forever. I, I and that sucks. They've been doing a really good job with this particular storyline, I think, um, mm-hmm. making the best of what they can out of the the storyline of like, I'm always here. You're never fucking here. Like, mm-hmm. and and it's it's for the most part worked. I, I think that 
if nothing else, if you're not going to get people to cheer Reigns um, organically, getting them to cheer Reigns because he's at least the guy who shows up every day is a good start for <laughs> for making people actually well, care about him. I feel like, though, that they kind of undid that a little bit over the last couple of weeks, though, because who were, who were we talking about earlier Rock in the show when we up. were saying that they did a good job of getting them to boo them and think they don't care about the fans? Oh, Undertaker. So you were saying that Derek, well, and you were saying Cody too. Yeah, and then Derek was Derek was saying that Undertaker they did a good job of thinking that he doesn't care about the fans and that kind of stuff with Cena's storyline, and Roman is essentially the same storyline, but I feel like they undid it by having Brock come out and like beat the holy shit out of him, and it's like, <laughs> what do people like seeing from Brock Lesnar more than anything? They like seeing him tear people up and tear them apart. So it's That's like true. he came out and beat the shit out of Roman. I guess they were trying to get sympathy for him, but as a result, you had Brock do the thing that everyone loves seeing Brock do. And then all of a sudden everyone's cheering him. And it's like, now <laughs> it's like, if you, if they were going to go with the storyline, I feel like they should have gone all the way and Brock really shouldn't have shown up the whole time up until maybe the go home show like not at all. and yeah. attacked reigns, but not attack him in a way. May, like maybe like they'll get into a scuffle and then Brock will back off and everyone will boo. Not, Hey, let's have him destroy Ra People already don't like reigns. And you want to get Brock booed, so you don't have him go in there and tear him apart for ten minutes. Like you ended up getting these huge cheers for the guy. So I, it'll be interesting because I don't, I don't think their plan is going to work out too well. I think it's essentially going to be the same thing as it was back in San Jose when they wrestled, where it's like the crowd's going to be like ninety percent pro Brock, and people are going to boo Reigns out the building, even though. And I'm far from a Reigns fan, as you guys know, but. I completely agree with what Derek said. Personally, at this point, I just want Reigns to win it and get it over with, get it out of their system. Brock's leaving anyway, and I'd rather have a champion who's there than a champion who's not. But with all that said, I still think the crowd's going to shit all over Roman and be very pro-Brock at the show. Yeah, yeah no, no, I, I think I, I agree with that. It's really interesting watching week to week, too, though, because I feel like depending on the promo, but also sometimes depending on the city, like because sometimes it, like those boos or those cheers will start as soon as his music hits and it just seems like it's week to week like it's either overwhelming cheers or overwhelming boos uh and it's just so interesting because it's like the the per perception of him like especially online is that just absolutely everyone hates it unless you're like a little stupid kid like you don't you, you just hate roman but but uh it's just interesting to see from week to week because it seems like it's something that depends so much on where they are, which is super interesting. But like, but some some of the weeks you'll hear cheers louder than anything else, and it's just like, just make up your fucking mind, WWE universe. Well, either way, they'll make up their mind for them <laughs> if they don't go the way they want them to. I mean, did you do you guys remember that video? It wasn't Roman, but I think. Oh no, I think it was Roman. I think Jericho was attacking Roman. Some guy was like cheering, and then like they played a replay of it a week later and then they found a cut of the same guy looking sad and they in inserted the guy looking sad over it. Oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy was like on Reddit and he made like an AMA about it. He's like, I'm the guy, <laughs> I'm the guy who WWE made a Roman fan. Ask me. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to wrap up here almost at 90 minutes, our longest episode to date, uh, which makes sense because it's WrestleMania. Uh, we'll be back in early uh late late april early may uh we'll be recapping what happened at the greatest royal rumble uh we'll be getting a whole lot more information on what's happening in the exciting world of 
New Japan Wrestling. We'll probably cover a little bit of what happened at WrestleMania. And then our bigger focus, well, I guess probably wouldn't be the bigger focus. The bigger focus would be all of that. Uh, also, we'll probably look at what's happening at Backlash in May. Um, the first of the new combined pay-per-view every month kickoff. So it'll be exciting to see how they handle that. Um, guys, you have anything that you want to plug real quick or where people can follow you on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me at dcranavelt on Twitter and on the Geekscape Games podcast every week where we talk about video games and other stuff. <laughs> yeah. And you can find me at Inu Joshua across all gaming platforms and social media. I'm also a co-host on the Geekscape Games podcast, so check us out there. And, of course, on Geekscape.net. And I uh, host a bunch of podcasts. You can find them all at Geekscape.net. And uh, you can find me usually as St. Mort on most things. And it's important to say, since these episodes only drop out once a month, uh, we should probably start campaigning that all of us will be at San Diego Comic-Con in July. So come by the Geekscape booth if you're a listener and uh, talk wrestling with us, because we'll probably get very excited to talk wrestling with somebody. As long as you're a Roman fan. (laughs) Otherwise, don't talk to me. (laughs) And if you're a Roman fan, don't talk to me. (laughs) We're we're also not going to talk to each other. Yeah, exactly. This is the only time we talk to each other. I hope they do another WWE pop-up shop, though, because that thing was fucking awesome. Oh, that was amazing. (laughs) Uh, I bought this TJP shirt there, and then I just was given a free one the other day, the exact same shirt, so I was kind of (laughs) bummed. <laughs> I gotta give his stuff away now. <laughs> Alright, all see you guys next month. Alright, see you then. Bye. Face of fear, ready to say hell, I'ma take you there. So run or submit to me, cause salvation's a mystery. I suggest you run from the new face of fear, ready to see hell, I'ma take you there. So run or submit to me, cause salvation's a mystery. I suggest you run. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Hello everyone, we're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know.